your seats. Good morning, Hope Markham. What a treat it is to be in person. Praise the Lord. Uh, a little unexpected early this week finding this out, at least for me, wasn't uh, aware the rules changed, but praise the Lord, we're, we're here. It's good to be uh, singing together. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles to First Chronicles chapter 28, First Chronicles chapter 28. And as you uh, turn there, let's take a moment and let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are uh, incredibly grateful, Lord, uh, to join together this morning in song and praise. Lord, what a taste of heaven it is to be together. And Father, now as we turn our attention to your word, we ask uh, that you would instruct us from it, that you would encourage us from it, that you would uh, challenge and rebuke us if needed from it. Lord, we ask that as we talk about the topic of courage, Lord, that we would be a faithful and courageous church, a church that brings you much glory as we faithfully and courageously fulfill the work and the assignment that you have called us to as a church and as Christians. We pray now, Lord, bless your word as we look at it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Paul, he kicked us off in a, a small series we're doing in the month of June called Ready, Set, Go. Uh, we're looking ahead. We're looking forward to all that God has for us as a church. It's an exciting time. It's an important time ahead. And uh, this morning, uh, we're not going to be looking at the topic of elder like Pastor Paul talked about last week and uh, looking at the character and the competency and the calling of an elder of the church, but we are going to be looking at a character quality that our elders need, but not just our elders, that all of us as a church, we need this character quality if we are going to be faithful in what God has called us to, and that character quality is courage. Now, uh, when I think of courage... I think of Remembrance Day. Specifically, I think of the many Remembrance Day assemblies I've gone through in my life, and I specifically think of one Remembrance Day. That uh, I don't remember the year, but it, the Remembrance Day was focused uh, around the battle of June 6th, 1944. It was a big day in World War II. And the day, the battle, is famously known as D-Day, and I remember thinking and reflecting on this one remembrance day, on the courage the soldiers had as they, the Allied forces, were going to try to overtake the Nazi-occupied France on Normandy Beach and thinking through that boat ride those soldiers went on. Thinking, the boat, thinking about the boat ride to the beach, what these soldiers were thinking about, what they were feeling as they were on this boat and what they knew was waiting for them the courage they had, that before that door dropped, before they could get their feet in the sand in the water, they would find a beach covered in barbed wire, wooden stakes, and a beach heavily guarded with mounted machine guns. And as soon as that door dropped, the bullets would fly at them. That was really an impossible feat of courage that these men showed. Despite the cost, they went or you think of maybe the Prime Minister Winston Churchill two days before this battle on June 6th. And he gets up in front of Parliament when things looked bleak. Things did not look good. And a man of courage, he says this. He says, we shall fight them in France. We shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight them on the beaches. 
We shall fight them on the landing grounds. We will fight them in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight them in the hills. We will never surrender. We will never give up. A man of courage. A man of courage. But it's one thing to be a courageous person. It's another thing to be a courageous Christian. That as Christians, we recognize what God has called us to, and it doesn't take long to realize that to be faithful in what God has called us to, there's going to be challenges. It's going to be difficult that you might lose family members. They might reject you for your faith in Christ. That you might be rejected by friends for following Christ. You might lose respect from friends and family members and coworkers. That maybe you're a university student and you're fearful because you recognize that to speak of Christ in the classroom or on campus is a sure way of being rejected and ridiculed. Or maybe as Christian parents, you look out at the world that we live in and it looks bad. It is evil and wicked and growing increasingly secular and you become fearful. Or maybe as a small group leader, uh, you are, are leading a small group that has big needs right now, that there are some uh, needy people, there are some big issues in your group, and it just feels overwhelming. Or maybe as leaders in the church, maybe some of our elders know what God has called them to, and to do the right thing is sometimes the hard thing, that we need to be courageous. And that is what we're going to turn our attention to in First Chronicles chapter 8 that if we are going to be faithful Christians, if we are going to be a faithful church, we need to be a courageous church. We need to be courageous Christians. And we're going to find in 1 Chronicles chapter 8 some of the final words of King David. And King David, he is appointing the next king over Israel. And the next king wasn't chosen by David, it was chosen by God. And God uniquely chose this person who is David's son, Solomon, to do a unique work, a unique assignment for him. And we find Solomon, he's fearful. He is fearful because this task, this work that God had called him to is to build the temple of the Lord. And we find here in 1 Chronicles chapter 8, David's final words to Solomon what he needs to know in order for him to be faithful in the work that God has called him uniquely to. And we're going to see this morning, and we're going to learn from God's word, how we too need this very thing Solomon needs if we're going to be faithful Christians, if we're going to be a faithful church. So let's read First Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to actually read from verses 9 to 21, but we're specifically going to camp out in verse 20. So we want to just see some of the context that's going on in our verse. So I hope you're there. First Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to read from verse 9. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave Solomon his son the plan of the vestibule of the temple, and of its houses, its treasuries, its upper rooms, and its inner chambers, and of the room for the mercy seat, and the plan of all that he had in mind for the courts of the house of the Lord. 
all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of the house of God and the treasuries for dedicated gifts, for the divisions of the priests and of the Levites and all the work of the service in the house of the Lord, for all the vessels of the service in the house of the Lord, the weight of gold for all golden vessels for each service, the weight of silver vessels for each service, the weight of the golden lampstands in their lamps, the weight of gold for each lampstand and its lamps, the weight of silver for a lampstand and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand in the service, the weight of gold for each table for the showbread, the silver for the silver tables, and pure gold for the forks, the basins, and the cups, for the golden bowls, and the weight of each, for the silver bowls, and the weight of each, for the altar of incense made of refined gold, and its weight, also his plan for the golden chariot of the cherubim, that spread their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. All the work to be done according to the plan. And here's our verse for today. Then David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God. And with you and all the work will be every willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. So as we see in the text that uh, David is instructing his son Solomon, the successor of David, with the unique task that we saw in verse 10 that God chose him for to do. And that task is to build the sanctuary, the temple of the Lord. And we see David, he's delivering all of these detailed plans over to to Solomon and what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to do it and what to build and what to cover in silver and what to cover in gold. And then in verse 20, He speaks to David and he says, David, or he speaks, David speaks to Solomon. He says, Solomon, what is the thing that you need to do in order for you to be faithful in this work that God has called you to? He says this, he says, then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous. This is our first point, that if we are going to be faithful in the work that God has called us to, it calls for nothing less than courage. It calls for nothing less than courage that these words, be strong and courageous, are paralleled uh, against the negative. If you see that, be strong and courageous and do it, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Be strong and courageous, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. These are imperatives, these are commands. This isn't superficial encouragement from his father. This is Solomon, What, what do you need? What do you need in order for you to be faithful? It calls for courage. It calls for courage. In fact, we got to ask ourselves, what is courage? What is Christian courage? And uh, one of the best definitions that I found that I think is helpful for us in understanding what real, true Christian courage is, uh, is by Pastor John Piper. He, He really captures it so succinctly here. He says this. He says, Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly costs because God promises to help you 
and save you on account of Christ. That Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost. That to be courageous, it is going to cost you. You can be fearful and not courageous, but you can't be courageous without it costing something great. Maybe that's physical. Maybe in in war, as we talked about the soldiers, that the soldiers, they would not be courageous if they never went to war, if there was never the potential of them potentially losing a a body part or, at worst, their life. Or uh, it can be in confrontation or controversy, that it's the mental anguish, it's the emotional uh, difficulty and, and sacrifice that might be there. It might be the relational that those call for courage. And as we read this passage, and when we read that verse, it probably makes us think of another passage. In fact, a, a really well-known passage, a passage in which David is actually quoting. And he's not quoting another man, he's quoting God. And the passage you're probably thinking of is Joshua chapter 1. And what's going on in this chapter here, in many ways, parallels what was going on in chapter 1 of Joshua that Joshua was called by God to a unique assignment, a unique work, and he was called to fill the shoes of the great leader Moses. And God uh, spoke to Joshua and he said, be strong and be courageous, that Joshua was likely fearful. You don't tell someone to be strong and courageous if they're not fearful. And Joshua, he's there and he recognizes and sees that he is called to lead the people of God into the promised land to accomplish what God had called him to and he needed courage. Very similar to this passage, Moses, he was not permitted to lead the people of God into the promised land. And right here, David is delivering over the plans of the temple And David wasn't the one who was permitted to build the temple of the Lord. The Lord is clear in his word that David wasn't to build the temple because he was a man who shed much blood. And we see Solomon here, and he's likely afraid. Because we read this, it can be lost on us a little bit. He's just building a house, a sanctuary, a temple. Why would he be so fearful? This isn't just any temple. This isn't any, just any sanctuary. This is the place in which God's people were called to worship him. This was the place in which God's presence would uh, be with his people. It was a big deal and we find him fearful. And David, of all the things he says, he says, you're going to need to be courageous, Solomon. You're going to need to be courageous. And this was encouragement, not just to Solomon. In fact, we need to understand 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles a little bit and who they were written to, that first and second chronicles, they were written to what is called the uh, Israelites of the post-exilic period. Post-exilic period. Post meaning after, exilic meaning exile. So after the exile, the Israelites had returned to the promised land and they were a struggling community. And they would be reading these words and they would be reminded that if they were going to do what God had uniquely called them to, to to rebuild the temple, that they needed to be courageous. That they needed to be courageous. And the same is true for us today. God has not called us to build a temple to him. But he has called us to be ambassadors, to be salt 
and to be light. And we recognize the weight of that call. We recognize that we are called that all the people in our lives, from our neighbors to our coworkers, by the hand of God, are in our life. That is no coincidence. And God has uniquely called you, he's called us, to be that salt and light in their lives. And what that is going to take for us to do that is it calls for courage. We're going to have to be courageous. But we don't just see in this text that if we're to be faithful in what God calls us to, it calls for courage. We actually see what courage really is, what it looks like. And this is our second point, that courage leads to action. Courage leads to action. Look with me again at verse 20. He says, Then David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do it. Be strong and courageous and do it. This is the third time that Solomon is being spoken to by his father, the third and final time. And all three times, the first in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, the second in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 10, and here the third time in verse 20. David says, be strong and courageous and do it. That courage, Solomon, isn't just the feeling. It's not the feeling, Solomon. It actually will lead to action at one point or another, Solomon. You got to start digging the foundation of this temple. You've got to start laying the brick. You've got to start organizing the troops. You've got to do it. Going back to our definition of courage, Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing, no matter the earthly cost. To do, to do. That is a verb. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? That is a verb, and it means to act, to act. That courage, we are not made courageous for the sake of being courageous. That we are made courageous to do the act. Now imagine for me, this is kind of a silly example, but imagine if I think about doing the dishes, I'm sitting, not that I do, but I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking about doing the dishes. I desire to do the dishes. I even, I'm daydreaming and longing to do the dishes, but I never did the dishes. I never did the dishes. That's not doing the dishes. And the same is true of courage, that we can feel all the courage we want to, but if we never actually step out and do the things that God has called us to, that's not courage. That's not courage. Soldiers would never be courageous if they remained at the training base and never went to war. Firefighters would never be courageous if they never fought a fire and had to run into a burning building. That we would never be courageous if we know that we're called to witness to our neighbor and be ambassadors, be salt and light, we know that we, we feel like we should be courageous and we never do it. Maybe for the parents in the room, you know, you know that God has called you at this time to uh, lead your children and you need to courageously lead and disciple your children in an evil and dark time. You know that. You, you want to do that. But you never open the word of God with them. You never pray with them. You never teach them. You never are discipling them. Maybe for the university student or the high school student, you know that God has called you to live a life that is set apart and holy and to be a witness for him. And you want that, 
and you desire that, but you never actually open your mouth. You never share the gospel. That we aren't courageous if we never actually get to work, if we never actually do the work. And for for you right now, maybe God is calling you that there has been a breakdown in relationship. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's, it's with a family member, a child, or a parent. And God has called you to step out in courage and to pick up that phone and to be a peacemaker. Or maybe that neighbor that you've been living beside for years and you have a friendly uh, relationship with, but you've never actually talked to them about the gospel, the one message that can save their souls from eternal hell. And you want to do that, but you never actually get to it. It's never a good time. That God is calling you to be courageous right now to step out and to witness to that person. Some of us right now are feeling, this just feels like way too much what God has called us to. You don't know the small group I have, Matt. You don't know the neighbor that I live beside. You don't know the the classmates that I'm in. You don't know the professor that I'm under. You don't know my teacher, Matt. You don't know my coworkers. You don't know my boss. This feels like too much. You don't even know my kids, Matt. This This is way too much what God has called me to. And I would say, you are absolutely correct. You are absolutely correct that what God has called you to, you can't do it on your, lo- your, on your own. It is too much for you. There's a phrase I've, I've heard off and on uh, in my life, and I'm sure, I'm sure many of you guys have heard it. Maybe you've seen it online. And uh, people usually say it to you or have said it to me to, to be a source of comfort. And it's well-intentioned. It's, it's good. And, and the phrase is this, and it's a, it's a really popular phrase. The phrase is this, that God never gives you more than you can handle. You heard that before? God never gives you more than you can handle. It's supposed to kind of invoke a sense of comfort. But the reality is we regularly feel overwhelmed, like God has given us more than we can handle on our own. And that is 100% correct because that pithy phrase isn't actually true. That isn't biblical. That there are multiple times in scripture we see people that have been given a task and a work assignment uh, by God that is, is too much for them to handle. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, you find Jehoshaphat, he's praying. And he says, Lord, we do not know what to do. We are beyond ourselves, but our eyes are on you. Lord, we, we can't handle this on our own. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says this. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That what God had called us to was too much. We couldn't do it on our own. The same is true for Solomon here. Solomon could not do this on his own. David isn't saying to Solomon, Solomon, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get it together. Be strong. Be courageous. He's not saying that. He's not saying that he has to do it alone. That what he is about to say ties this all together. How can you be strong and courageous? Where does this strength and this courage come from, Solomon? It doesn't come from you. It's not about your abilities. 
It's not that you are called to do this alone. Where does courage come from, Solomon, for you to do this great task of building the temple of the Lord? He says, look with me in verse 20. He says, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Solomon, where does courage come from? It comes from God's presence with you. That God has indeed not called you to do something in your own strength, apart from him. The same is true for us today. God has not called us to do something that we can do in our own strength, in our own willpower, in our own ability. And we don't have to. Solomon, why can you be strong and courageous? Because you don't do this alone. Because you don't do this alone. I love, I love what he says. You see, you see it there right in, in the text. He says, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. David's not saying, for the Lord God and even my God are with you. He's not talking about two different gods. He's saying, David, the Lord God is with you. The God who is with me. When you think and look at my life, Solomon, when all the Israelites were fearful, everyone was shaking in their boots, and I went out to the great warrior Goliath, and I fought him. The God who was with me in that moment is with you. Solomon, the God who was with me when all my enemies were surrounding me and chasing me, The God who was with me that helped me triumph over that, to help me be faithful in what he called me to. That God is with you, Solomon. The same is true for us today. In fact, in a very special way, that in the Old Testament, uh, God's uh, dwelling with his people was in in some respects conditional, that uh, obedience brought blessing in God's presence and disobedience brought judgment and God's withdrawal. And we, saw, we see this earlier in uh, the, the verses we read. Uh, in verse 9, he says, If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. There was a condition. But we live in the new covenant. We live under the reign of the Christ who has come. And the New Testament teaches that if you have repented of your sins and you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, his spirit lives within you. Romans chapter eight, verse nine tells us that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So if you do belong to Christ, you have God's spirit with you, in you. Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, he looks out at his disciples and he says, there's gonna be a helper that's going to come. And he is going to be with you forever. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he speaks of this spirit, this spirit of God that lives within us. And he says, the spirit that God gave us is not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of self-control. That God's spirit lives within us. And again, David's not saying to Solomon, Solomon, you need to figure this out. You need to be strong and courageous. You need to muster up the strength, man. 
He's not saying that. He's saying, why you can be strong and courageous, the source of this strength and this courage, it isn't you, Solomon. It isn't you. Don't try to dig deeper in yourself for this. The strength and the courage comes from God's spirit, his presence with you. Some of us, we're, we're sitting here, we're watching. We feel like, you don't know what God has called me to. I'm not sure he's with me. I, I wonder sometimes. I doubt if he will leave me, if he will forsake me. I, I, I know, but I, I sometimes wonder. I wrestle with it. How can I be sure that God's presence is with me? We can be sure. We can have certainty that God is with us as a church, as followers of Jesus, because there was one who was forsaken. There was one that God did turn his back on. And that one was Jesus. In Psalm 22, verse 1, Jesus on the cross, he quotes this. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the one and the only time Jesus doesn't address God as Father. In the whole New Testament, the one and only time Jesus doesn't address God as Father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Christ was forsaken by God the Father. That he experienced the turning away from God the Father, not because he was disobedient, but because he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus experienced this judgment, this punishment, this separation from God the Father? Did he cease to be part of the Trinity? Did he cease to be God's son in this? No. No, it'd be uh, similar in a human sense of when a father and a son have a disagreement or the son uh, disobeys and that fellowship, that relationship, that love and fellowship isn't there for that moment. The difference is Jesus, he He didn't rebel. He didn't do anything wrong. He became sin. And God turned his back on him. The one and the only time in all of eternity that the Father and the Son did not experience perfect fellowship. And this is the hope for us today that God is with us. God is with us in uh, what he has called you to as a Christian. The neighbors, the co-workers, the friends, the family, the children, the siblings, what he has called you to, to be an ambassador for the gospel, he is with you. And he is the one who is going to strengthen you and give you that courage to be faithful in what he's called you to. And this is what we gotta ask as we close. Why does God make us courageous? Why is God so willing to uh, Make us courageous and strong for the task at hand, for the work that he has called us to. I believe 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 really gives us a window into why God makes us courageous. Why God calls us to be courageous so that we can be faithful in what he's called us to. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says this. Whoever serves... Let him do it as one who serves by the strength that, the, that God supplies 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever. Why does God strengthen us and make us courageous for this great work? Not for ourselves, but for his glory, for the, the, his namesake, for the praise of his name. Look with me one last time at verse 20. The end of verse 20, he says, He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Someone, God is going to be with you in this task that he's called you to. Not because it's about you, but that it's about him. The temple was central to the Israelites in their worship and where God was present, that God was going to be with him because God was going to make sure that he was going to get his glory. And the same is true for us today, that as we step out in courage and what God has called us to as a church and as Christians, We can do that because he is with us. That as courageous Christians, we will be faithful Christians. And as faithful Christians, we will be God-glorifying Christians. And as courageous church and as courageous leaders, courageous elders step out and are faithful to what God has called us to, they will be, we will be a God-glorifying church. It's time to get to work. God has called us to be courageous in the work. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we are humbled, Lord. You have called us to a great work, a work that is beyond us, a work that we can't accomplish in ourselves, Lord, and nor do you ask us or expect us to do this in ourselves, Lord. But you have given us a helper. And Father, I pray and ask that we would be a courageous church, that we would be courageous Christians so that we could be a faithful church and a faithful Christians so that you might be glorified and honored that you might be praised among all nations and all tongues. Father, I pray for the students and the parents, for the youth and the young adults, for our elders, for our leaders. Lord, I pray and ask, Father, that we would be faithful to the call that you have placed on our lives to be courageous, to be faithful in what you've called us to. Lord, would you be honored, would you be glorified in it all. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.